First, seasonal, the oral contraceptive that is taken 12 weeks out of every 13. Then came Librel, the pill that is taken every day of the year. Now there is a new pill taken 24 days out of 28. Does this offer any advantage? You are listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Michael Benson, your host. Our guest today is Dr. Leon Spiroff. He is a professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the Oregon Health and Sciences University in Portland. His book, Clinical Gynecologic Endocrinology and Infertility, has now been published in its seventh edition. He has served as department chair of obstetrics and gynecology at both the Oregon Health and Sciences University as well as Case Western Reserve University. So I guess the first question is, with so many pills on the market, what were the motivating reasons to develop a 24-day pill? There are a lot of unintended pregnancies in the United States. Half of those unintended pregnancies come from failed contraception, either because they were used properly or perhaps the method. When we moved to lower-dose oral contraceptives, ultrasound studies revealed that there was follicular growth, in other words, development of the egg within the ovary. That was occurring with these low-dose oral contraceptives, and so concern grew that maybe there would be escape ovulation associated with these lower doses, and this would explain some of the pill failures. The other problem that emerged as we went to lower doses and we, and we should point out that there's no doubt that the lower doses were worthwhile because from a serious side effect point of view, we can today make the statement that low-dose oral contraceptives given to healthy women, and especially over age 35, women who don't smoke and who have normal blood pressures, there are no serious side effects other than venous thrombosis. There are no heart attacks. There are no strokes. So the movement to low-dose was important. But as we moved to that lower dose of estrogen, there were more breakthrough bleeding problems. The number one reason why women discontinue taking oral contraceptives is the bleeding problem. So that's another contribution to unexpected, unintended pregnancies. So those were the two motivations that we would, number one, potentially, by extending exposure, limiting the seven-day pill-free interval, therefore prevent follicular development and breakthrough ovulation, and two, maybe we would have an impact on bleeding. Uh, for our audience, can you define low dose? Is it 35 micrograms of ethanyl estradiol daily? Today, we define low-dose oral contraception as any combination estrogen-progestin oral contraceptive that contains less than 50 micrograms of estrogen. And the reason for that is that it's been impossible to develop evidence indicating that there's a difference, clinical difference, between 20, 30, and 35 micrograms of estrogen. So they're lumped together in that one classification of low-dose oral contraception. So this increase in follicular development is even seen on 35 microgram pills? That's correct. And so what is the hormonal difference with the 24-day pill? Well, let me explain the method for a moment. We have known for a long time that the major contraceptive action of a combined estrogen-progestin oral contraceptive is suppression of luteinizing hormone, LH, and therefore prevention of ovulation. The progestational agent is the primary component of the oral contraceptive that produces that action. 
The progestational agent also affects the cervical mucus, preventing sperm penetration. So what does estrogen in the oral contraceptive do? Well, for a long time, we thought its main purpose, in fact, in the original development of the oral contraceptive, that was its purpose. Its main purpose was to maintain the endometrium and to reduce bleeding, breakthrough bleeding, to a minimum. Now, with this concern about ovarian follicular growth, more attention has been paid to the possible beneficial action of estrogen in suppressing FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, the pituitary hormone that's essential for follicular growth and development. So if we look at a typical cycle in a woman on 21 day, the typical oral contraceptive, three weeks out of four, what we're concerned about is that week off. Because during that week off, when the circulating levels of the estrogen and progesterone decline, and it takes about three days for that to happen, FSH begins to increase. As a result, there's a stimulation to ovarian follicles, and they begin to grow. And this has all been measured. You can then document that in response to that follicular growth and development, estrogen levels, estradiol levels begin to increase. There are two causes of breakthrough bleeding. One is a relative instability due to the progestational agent, and we used to think that was the only explanation. But the studies that led to the 24-day oral contraceptive have taught us something new. These studies were able to demonstrate that many episodes of breakthrough bleeding were due to a decrease in endogenous estrogen. So let's go back to that seven-day pill-free interval. FSH increases, follicles begin to grow, estradiol levels increase. When those follicles stop growing, that endogenous estradiol level comes down, and in response to that estrogen withdrawal, breakthrough bleeding takes place. So now we have a rationale for why the 24-day regimen might be better. By decreasing the pill-free interval from seven days to, in fact, four days, you would have a lesser increase in FSH, therefore less follicular growth and development, less endogenous estrogen production, and therefore less breakthrough bleeding because you don't have that follicular growth and endogenous estrogen production. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson, and my guest is Dr. Leon Spiroff, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Oregon Health and Sciences University in Portland. We are discussing the advantages of a new combined contraceptive formulation, the 24-day oral contraceptive pill. So I gather the two reasons for prescribing a 24-day pill is it's probably more effective and it reduces breakthrough bleeding. Is that correct? Well, now we have to prove that, don't we? So we have to go to the randomized trials that were performed, and what did we learn from it? We learned, indeed, there's less bleeding, two kinds of less bleeding. Number one, there's less breakthrough bleeding because there's less follicular growth and development, less endogenous estrogen, but also the amount of bleeding during the pill-free interval, the withdrawal bleed, is also less, and the reason, again, is because of less follicular growth and development, less endogenous estrogen, so that the endometrium is not as thick, and therefore there's less to be sloughed, and the withdrawal bleeding is less. By the sixth 
month of the 24-day regimen, you can demonstrate statistically significant reductions in withdrawal bleeding and breakthrough bleeding compared to the very same doses and same compound given for 21 days. So that rationale turned out to be true. Now we have to address the other one. Is it more effective? There's a very unique and thus far the only kind of study of its kind that was performed in Canada with ultrasonography. And what they did was to start oral contraceptives at different points in time when ovarian follicles reached a certain diameter. So they determined that if follicles were only 10 millimeters or less in diameter, not one of those follicles ovulated. As the follicles got bigger and they started oral contraceptives, they began, some of them began to ovulate. And the bigger they were, more of them ovulated. So now the critical question was, what happens in a 21-day regimen compared to a 24-day regimen? And it turns out with a 21-day regimen, follicles greater than 10 millimeters occasionally appear. And even if you start the oral contraceptive at that point in time, they will continue to grow and will be capable of ovulating. This is not the case with the 24-day pill. The follicles do not receive sufficient FSH stimulation, and they do not reach that critical size that is associated with ovulation. Now, let me point out that that remains theoretical with a good rationale, because to prove that, in fact, it has greater efficacy would require such a huge study. It's so expensive it may never be done. You're talking about thousands of women in each arm. It would. It would take a huge number because while escape ovulation in pregnancy is a public health issue because of so many women on oral contraceptives, to actually prove this product is better and more effective may never be done. But at least there's a good rationale to believe it's true. And I think that the two objectives in the 24-day regimen were achieved. I think for sure the bleeding problem was addressed, and there's good reason to believe it will be more effective. What about the 24-day pill as a method of choice for overweight women? That's a very good point. We learned some years ago that very overweight women had a higher failure rate on oral contraceptives. Now, think about that. The pill was approved in 1960, and we didn't learn this about failure rates until about 2005. Why in the world did it take so long? Well, it turns out that very overweight women were never part of the phase three trials. They were excluded. If you were too heavy or too skinny, you were not allowed to participate in the studies. So we never knew the failure rate. It wasn't until the folks in Seattle did a case control study of pill use in real life, in general use, that it was discovered, in fact, that obese women had a higher failure rate. We really didn't know the mechanism but we have a study not yet published from my own place, from the family practice folks, Allison Edelman here in Oregon, documenting the blood levels of the contraceptive steroids in overweight women. It takes overweight women longer to achieve the pharmacologic blood level of contraceptive steroids. In other words, that seven-day interval in a standard pill would be longer in an overweight woman, making escape ovulation even more likely. And for that reason, the 24-day regimen is really a pill of choice, I believe, 
for overweight women. Now, with this rationale, what about seasonal and Librel? Wouldn't they be expected to be more effective? Once again, whether they're more effective would take a huge study and we'll never know. And perhaps they would be because they would limit the possibility of escape ovulation. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Leon Spiroff, Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Oregon Health and Sciences University in Portland. We have been discussing the advantages of a new combined contraceptive formulation, the 24-day oral contraceptive pill. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions through our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. Be safe. Be informed. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Wagner, Chief Medical Officer with Accretive Health, and you are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals.